Let's just take a moment and just open our hearts to God and ask him to speak to us today, okay? Father, right now, God, we just come before you. And God, we need you. We just ask that you'd speak to us today. Father, each one of us individually, right now, we just lay aside distractions, the cares of life, the busyness of the day ahead of us. God, we lay it aside, and we ask you to speak to us. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. Help us to apply your word to our lives, that we will leave this place changed by your spirit, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as you know, if you have been here at Chick Connection for a while, this season we've really been focusing on love. And uh, we started out in the fall talking about God's love for us, really grasping a greater, deeper revelation of his love for us, how much he deeply loves us. And then we started out this new year talking about loving God. And we kind of started out in Mark 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And so we've spent a few weeks there talking about that. How can we pursue him more? How can we pursue loving him with all that's within us? But today, I want us to move on to verse 31. It says, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If there's no other commandment greater than these, I think it's really important that we take time to lean into God and say, okay, how can I grow in these areas? How can I expand? What do you want to speak to me, God, that I can become really good, loving you with all that's within me, but also loving others around me? And as we start out talking about loving our neighbor as ourself, I want us to start by looking at that word love in these verses. You see, in the English language, we have one word for love, don't we? It's the same word if I say I love chocolate, which I do, especially dark chocolate. If I say I love chocolate, I also use the same word to say I love my husband. I love my family. I also use the same word to say I love a new pair of shoes, right? We use the word love to cover a very broad spectrum of things. But the New Testament was written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there are different words for the word love. But when they get translated into the English Bible, they all get put into the, our one word, love. So we need to go back and look at the original writings. You see, there are four words in the Bible that are translated uh, love in, originally in the Greek language. There's one that talks about the love between a parent-child that type of love relationship. And then there's another Greek word for love that talks about a husband-wife relationship, a more intimate kind of love. And then there's another word for love in the Greek that talks about friendship and just a, a fondness of someone, a casual love for someone. But then there is a fourth word, and it comes from the root word agape, and it means a deep-hearted connection. 
to love one as your closest brother, to truly value that person. And that is the word that's used here in these verses in Mark chapter 12, when it talks about loving God. It's that kind of love. When it talks about loving others as ourselves, it's that kind of love that we're talking about. This is the same word in the original writing that is used in John chapter 17 when Jesus says that the Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. This is talking about the way God loves us. It's the same word used in John 3.16 when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son for us. This is talking about the highest level of love, that deep value. And it's the same word used in 1 Corinthians 13 when it describes how to love the way God loves. And you know, we're told in these verses in Mark 12, we're told to love others with that same kind of love that God loves us with, right? Right, thank you. <laughs> Well, actually, slightly a trick question, because actually, we're told to love ourselves with that kind of love. And then, to the same degree that we love ourselves, that will be the measure with which we're able to love others. So we've got to learn how to love ourselves with this God kind of love so that we can get good at loving others. Have you ever noticed that some people are really easy to love? Some people we wanna love, they're fun to love. Other people, not so much. <laughs> Anyone ever had any difficult people in your life? Anyone that was a little bit harder to love? <laughs> good, a group of honest women. <laughs> but you know what, if we can learn to really love ourselves the way God loves us, you know what happens? It compels us to love even the most difficult person. It compels us to love others. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I love myself. I do pretty good at loving myself. And there's still some people I just don't want to love. You know what? I think this morning is a good opportunity for us to do a little checkup on ourselves and see how we're really doing with loving ourselves. All right? So I want us to first take a look at the standard for God's love, the, where the bar has been placed. What is the measuring stick for his love? I think it's laid out for us in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 really gives us the standard for his love. So let's look at these verses together. And I'm going to read them to you from the Amplified Bible. I think they'll be on the screens as well. And it says, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, 
and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge? And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I'm nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Wow. His love in us is more important than anything. And then it continues on in verse 4 to show us what his love looks like. And this is where I want us to focus today. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. There is a lot packed into these verses. And usually, when we read these verses, which I know are very familiar to most of us, usually when we read these verses, don't we read them in respect to how we're loving others? Hmm, am I doing this? Am I kind? Am I patient to others? That's usually the context in which we think of these verses. But, you know, if we're going to love others as we love ourselves then we first need to be applying these verses to ourselves, to how we love ourselves. Do we love ourselves in this manner? So what I want us to do today is to go through these verses 4 through 8 and unpack them phrase by phrase and give ourselves a little love quiz to see how we're doing at loving ourselves with God's kind of love. All right, so we've got a 12-question quiz today. All right, pop quiz. If you've got a paper and you want to jot down questions or you want to jot down your answers to just really do a little self-evaluation, you can do that. If you want to just answer within your own heart as you're listening, that's fine too. But I want to encourage all of you, as we go through these questions, myself included, I want us to think about these questions and really answer them. Not just hear them, but answer them and, and ask ourselves, how am I doing in this area? So that we can grow, because that's what it's all about. We all want to grow and stretch and expand and become more of the women God created us to be, right? 
Right, all right. So, starting out in verse 4, it starts out by saying, love endures long and is patient. Question number one. Ask yourself, am I patient regarding my own life? Not just, am I patient with others? Am I patient regarding my own life? But what do I mean by this? Do you ever blow it? I thought you were honest women in this room. <laughs> sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we make mistakes. Do we beat ourselves up? Do we condemn ourselves? Or are we patient with ourselves and say, okay, God, I blew it, and just come to him, lay it out before him, cut ourselves some slack, and be able to move on in him. We need to be patient with ourselves. But, you know, I think we need to think of this in a little bit different light also. You see, we all have things that we're wanting in our lives, all have things that we're wanting God to, to help us with, we're wanting him to do in our lives. You know, maybe you're believing for a job. Maybe you're believing uh, for him to do something in a relationship in your life. Maybe you're believing for a relationship in your life. Maybe you're single and believing for that husband, wanting God to do that. Maybe you have a financial need. You know, we have all of these things and we bring them to God and we ask him to intervene. But then what happens after that? Sometimes we get impatient. And then what do we do? When we get impatient in the waiting process, we jump in we take control, and we try to make our desired answer happen in our desired timing. Sound familiar to anybody? But you see, if we really love and value ourselves, we will not settle for anything other than God's very best in his perfect timing. We will be patient regarding our own lives. One thing I've learned, that God's best, his way of answering and doing what he wants to do in our lives, it always involves others. There are always others attached to what he's wanting to do. Always others who will be impacted as a result. And when we jump in and take control, you know what we do? We take the situation out of God's hands. And we shortchange the others that God wanted to impact. We shortchange the others that he wanted to be able to pour his love out to through us, through the situation that he wanted to use in the midst of that. We can't afford to jump in and muddy the waters. If we really love ourselves, we will hold out for God's best. We will be patient regarding our own lives. I have seen so many women of all ages, from young women to older women, get impatient in waiting for a husband and end up making unwise decisions that have created great pain and great difficulty in their lives. 
And you know what? When we create our own pain, when we create difficulty, challenges in our own lives, those things have a way of dominating our life because we dwell on the pain. We feel sorry for ourselves. And it's really difficult to become that vessel that God wants to pour his love through when we are so focused on those things. Ladies, if we want to love ourselves as God loves us, then we need to be patient. And we need to wait for his very best in every area of our lives. Amen? All right. Then next in 1 Corinthians, it says love is kind. So question number two, am I kind to myself? Do you put yourself down? Do you talk negatively about yourself? Women can be good at that sometimes, and that's one of those things we should not be good at. We need to get good at being kind to ourselves because it is impossible for us to love others when we're consumed with putting ourselves down because our eyes just stay fixed right here. Then next it says, love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. So question number three, do I ever compare myself to others? And you might think, wait a minute, it's talking about uh, envy and jealousy. Yes, and envy and jealousy are always a result of comparisons because we're focused on what somebody else has that we don't have. We would never be envious or jealous of someone if we weren't looking at what they had and comparing it to what we don't have. Do you ever envy others' appearance, others' talents, others' personality, others' possessions, others' marriage, others' family life? It is impossible to effectively love others when I'm consumed with what I don't have. And I will never fully love someone else who I'm jealous of or envious of. You see, if I love myself the way God loves me, then I'm going to see all that I have, all that he's put in me. I'm going to see all the potential that he's packed into me, realizing that when God sees me, he sees himself. That's what the word tells us. He sees his own image when he looks at us. He sees all the potential, his fullness in us, what he's put within us. That's what he sees. So if I really love myself as he loves me, that's what I'm going to see. I'm not going to see what I don't have and what somebody else has and be jealous or envious of that. We can't afford to go there. It will limit us from being able to love others. It's so important that we get this, that we get good at loving ourselves if we're ever going to love others. Because we can all say, oh, I, I'm good at loving others. And when we really hate ourselves, we are fooling ourselves. We cannot be good at loving others if we're not loving ourselves. 
Next it says, love is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is it's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. So question number four, do I ever try to promote myself and make myself look good or sound good to others? Some might say, well, isn't that loving myself? Just want everyone to know I love myself. I think so highly of myself. No, that is not loving self. That is just being self-centered. And when it's all about me, it cannot be about anyone else. <laughs> there is no pride involved in loving ourselves as God loves us. It's actually very humbling because we realize that it has nothing to do with us. It's all because of God. Everything we are, everything that's within us is all because of him. All the amazing potential that's within us that we need to start seeing is all because of him. So we need to really ask ourselves, do I ever think of myself as better than anyone else? Do I prefer myself over others? Do I live for personal gratification? You know what it says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 6? It says, whereas she who lives in pleasure and self-gratification, giving herself up to luxury and self-indulgence, is dead even while she still lives. Wow. Loving ourselves, it's not the same as being in love with ourselves. Being indulgent on ourselves, prideful in and of ourselves. When we live in that manner, it says we're as, as if we're the walking dead. We're alive, we're walking on this earth, but dead inside because we do not get it. We've put all the focus here, and we've become that dam that stops up the river of what God's wanting to do through us. We become completely ineffective for the kingdom. You know what? I want to encourage and build up others, but we can't do that when we're busy elevating ourselves. Because whether we realize it or not, if we're elevating ourselves, we're automatically putting others down. If we're elevating ourselves, we're putting ourselves above others. So we're putting them down. We can't afford to do that. Others should leave our presence feeling like they are so special, realizing how special they are, not how special we are. That is one of the prayers of my life that others will leave my presence knowing how special they are, not how special I am. I think that's a good goal for all of us. Next it says, love is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. So question number five, am I ever rude to myself? Hmm. Have you forgiven yourself? We all have things 
that we need to forgive ourselves for. We have things in our past we need to let go of and forgive ourselves for. We may have things that just happened this morning that we need to let go of and forgive ourselves for. Do you forgive yourself? Or are you beating yourself up and punishing yourself by living under shame and guilt and condemnation? You see, when we live under condemnation, you know what we're doing? We are living contrary to God's nature and to his word. Because his word says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. His word brings freedom to our lives. But when we hold on to guilt and shame and condemnation, you know what we're doing? We're rejecting his word. And when we reject his word, we end up putting ourselves in bondage and treating ourselves rudely, contrary to the way God wants us to love ourselves. We're not loving ourselves when we do that. And we've got to recognize that. And you know, right along with this, we've got to recognize the things that we do towards ourselves that are just rude, contrary to God. But also, even when we explode rudely onto someone else, do you know that in that moment, we're not loving ourselves? Because with God in us, we're better than that. He didn't create us to behave in that rude, unbecoming manner. And so we're devaluing the person that he created us to be when we're rude to others. Some people say, oh, that's just my nature. They know, they'll get over it. No, that's not who God created us to be. That's not God's nature, so it's not our nature because he lives in us. We're here to be his vessel. So we can't live rudely in regards to our own life. Make sense? All right. Next it says, love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Question number six, do I ever try to get my own way? Ouch. When the focus is on me and what I want, the focus can't be on others. You know, the world has it backwards. Loving ourselves does not mean, I am looking out for number one. That's what the world says. No, that is not loving ourselves, trying to get ahead, get our own way. We need to value the fact that we're God's creation with the divine privilege of walking out his nature on this earth. You realize that? You are God's creation, and we have the divine privilege of walking out his nature, his love, his kindness on this earth. It is not about demanding our own way. His ways are higher than our ways, and we need to be willing to surrender our ways to him. Next it says, love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Question number seven, do I get my feelings hurt easily? Am I overly sensitive, fearful, or easily offended? Kind of a long one. 
Do we ever hold on to offense, which then turns into resentment? As women, sometimes we can be overly sensitive. Have you ever noticed that? Probably never noticed it in yourself, but in others, maybe. <laughs> sometimes we can be overly sensitive. Sometimes we can be a little too good at getting our feelings hurt, picking up offenses. But ladies, think about it. What happens when we get our feelings hurt? Our walls go up. Well, forget you. I can't believe you just did that to me. I can't believe you just said that. Forget it. I'm not talking to you. We put our walls up. Do we want God's love in that moment to flood through us onto that person that just hurt us? No. <laughs> our flesh doesn't. They just hurt us. Oh my gosh, I'm going to hurt them back. That's what our flesh says. So what happens? We put those walls up. And in so doing, because we don't want God's love to flood through us, we're putting up our walls to God. He can't do what he wants to do through us. I don't ever want to put up my walls to God. We've got to recognize that we can't afford to pick up offenses, to be overly sensitive, to be, get our feelings hurt so easily. Ladies, we've got to learn to live life with uh, one of those slicker raincoats on where everything just slides off our back. Really. We can't afford anything else. And then it says, love takes no account of the evil done to it or pays no attention to a suffered wrong. <laughs> wow. Question number eight. Am I able to forgive easily? Our flesh likes to be a victim, doesn't it? Feels good to our flesh. Our flesh likes sympathy. That's part of why... We like to be a victim. Our flesh would love to wear one of those beauty pageant banners that says, victim, feel sorry for me. Right? <laughs> but you know what happens? When we hold on to evil done to us, it paralyzes us. It just keeps our focus right here, only on us. It paralyzes us. It keeps us from going forward. It keeps God's nature from being able to flood through us. It prevents us from loving others. Ladies, we've got to realize if we're not loving ourselves, we can't love others. We've got to get good at loving ourselves. No matter what has happened in your past, God has a great future for you. We can't afford to carry the baggage through life with us. Let's read it again. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Yeah, there may be times in life that we're really wronged, sometimes very severely wronged. But God wants to bring healing. He wants to set us free so that we can go forward in him, live the life he created us to live with his love and his nature flooding through us. 
We can't afford to let our lives just stop there. We've got to be willing to forgive and let go. Some translations there say, love is not easily provoked. You know, where we've been wronged, we like to seek revenge. Our flesh likes to seek revenge, but that is not loving ourselves. That only pushes away and prevents God's healing from being poured into our lives so that he can do all that he wants to do, not just in us, but through us. But when we love ourselves, we realize we can't afford to hold on to those things, and we lay them at the feet of Jesus, and we allow him to bring in his healing and do all that he wants to do in our lives so that we can go forward in the life he created us to live. Think about it like this. Ladies, we devalue ourselves when we hold on to baggage that we were never created to hold on to. Think about a really expensive vase. You know, when they're really expensive, you I think you don't call them a vase, then you call them a vase, right? <laughs> think about this million dollar vase that's in the museum. Now, if someone took that out of the case and just tossed it over in the corner on the floor and people started throwing their trash in it. What would happen? That would devalue that vase. People would be appalled. Oh, oh my gosh, that is not what that was created for. Get it back, get it back. In the case, it's so valuable, we don't want to hurt it. When we carry around baggage that we were not created to carry around, when we carry around garbage that we were not created to carry around, we devalue ourselves. We devalue God's creation. We've got to be willing to let things go, to not be easily provoked, to not want to retaliate, but to let it slide off. Right there, some translations also say, love thinks no evil. Question number nine, do I ever think evil about myself? Now, most of us would say, Oh, no. All right, I got that one. I don't think evil about myself. That would be horrible. Well, let me ask you. Do your thoughts ever line up with the enemy's thoughts about you? Sometimes we listen to his lies. Very often we listen to his lies. His thoughts are evil. If we come into alignment with his lies, we are thinking evil thoughts about ourselves. We've got to recognize that. We cannot afford to think his thoughts, evil thoughts about ourselves. In Numbers chapter 13, when the men went in to spy out the land, they came back and this is what they said. They said they saw giants and then they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And then it says that this report that they brought back was an evil report. They saw themselves as worthless. They saw themselves as nothing, and they assumed that that's how others saw them as well. That was an evil report. 
When I lived for so many years of my life as being so incredibly shy and thinking that no one would ever want to hear anything I ever had to say, those were evil thoughts about myself because I had allowed my thoughts to come in line with the enemy's thoughts about me. That was definitely not loving myself as God loves me. And it prevented me from being used by God, and it prevented me from loving others. Because I would never speak to others, because I thought they would never want to hear anything I have to say. I'm a nobody. Oh, they wouldn't even want me to look at them. Those would actually be my thoughts in my head. I would walk with my head down so I didn't have to look at anyone, because they would not want this worthless thing to look at them. Those were evil thoughts, and it completely prevented me from being able to love others, to walk in freedom, to let God flood through me. Ladies, we've got to recognize evil thoughts that we're thinking about ourselves. What is the enemy telling you? What are the lies he's putting in your head? You cannot afford to listen to them, to come into agreement with those, to accept those things. You cannot afford those evil thoughts. They will prevent you from being able to love others. They will prevent you from being the women God created you to be. I'm so thankful for freedom in him that we can, be thank we can be free from those evil thoughts. We don't have to be in bondage to those evil thoughts, but we have to first recognize them so we can get rid of them. Amen? And then it says, Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Question number 10. Do I rejoice? When I get away with iniquity? Do I rejoice when I get away with anything unjust? And you might be thinking, well, I'm not a bank robber. I don't, I, this, well, this one doesn't really apply to me. Do you rejoice when you get away with anything unjust? With cutting corners? With telling little white lies? with not being 100% truthful with your husband about how much you spent? <clears throat> Maybe that one hit a little closer to home. Do we take a sigh of relief when we got away with it? Phew. Or do we rejoice when truth is brought into the light? You see, if we live a life where we have absolutely nothing to hide, a life of complete honesty, we can rejoice when truth is brought to light. Do we rejoice when there's injustice in the world? I doubt we would, any of us would say we rejoice in that. But sometimes our apathy does the same thing. We've got to be women who stand up for truth, justice, and righteousness. Next it says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Do you believe in yourself? You fall in the category of every person, right? Do you believe in yourself? God believes in you. You know that? He believes in you. He put you on this earth in 2015 
because he has a plan for your life. He wants to fulfill his plans on the earth through you. He strategically put you in your sphere of influence to impact those people. He wants you to be his vessel that his love can pour through unto those people. He believes in you, but we've got to believe in ourselves, not in our humanity, but in ourselves as daughters of the king, knowing that he lives in us and all things are possible. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We need to start believing in ourselves as his daughters, believing in him within us. And then lastly, it says, love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Question number 12. Am I hopeful and expectant that God has great things ahead for me? Sometimes challenges come. Ladies, if we really love ourselves, we're not going to give up. We're not going to cave in. We're going to keep hoping, keep expecting God to come through because he has better things ahead for us. We will know that this is not the end. This is not the end of the road. This is not where things stop. God's got better things. And if I want to walk into all that he has for me, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cave in. If we love ourselves, we'll keep on going. So after our little love quiz, does anybody think that just maybe you have a little room to improve on loving yourself? You know what? I put myself at the front of the line, and no matter how long we're on this earth, we will all have a little room to improve because we are not perfected yet, but we're in process. And I want to continue that process daily, working on that process, allowing God to do what he wants to do in me. We don't talk about things like this to bring condemnation on ourselves at all. We talk about things like this, looking at ourselves in the word of God to say, okay, how can I expand? How can I grow? God, help me, mold me, shape me more and more into your image. I want to be the woman you created me to be. That's why we dig into the word and we look at it and apply it to our lives like this. There is no condemnation. But when light bulbs go off and we recognize, I can grow a little bit here. I, I could do a little bit better in this area. You know what? It's the love of God from his word just showing us those things by his spirit. And then he says he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. He doesn't say, okay, now go take care of it all by yourself. Go, go start loving yourself some more and, and figure it out on your own. No, we have the Holy Spirit as our helper to help us every step of the way, every single day. We can call on him when we're battling those thoughts, the enemy's thoughts towards ourselves. We can, we can call on him and we can say, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't want to fight these thoughts. You're my helper. I'm relying on you for help. And you know what we do? We bring those thoughts to the word and we say, those do not lie up and we take those thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ by making them come into alignment with his word we replace those thoughts with what God says about us through the word ladies God wants us to start 
getting really good at loving ourselves as he loves us. Because then, and only then, will we be really good at loving others. And you know what? There's a lot of people around us that he wants us to love. There is a lot of people that don't know anything about his love, and they're waiting for us to show it to them. I want to get good at loving myself, don't you? So we can love others. Let's pray together. Father, God, right now, God, I'm just so thankful for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word that we can look into and just see areas where we can, can become more and more like you, where we can let your nature reside in us and work in us even more fully. God, I just believe that by your spirit, you've spoken areas to different women in this place today, areas where we can get a little better at loving ourselves. And God, I am asking that by your spirit, you would help us, that not one person would, would feel any condemnation, but God, that we would just feel so loved by you, that you love us enough to show us. You love us enough to help us be better. God, I'm so grateful for that. God, your word says that you chasten those you love, and you love us, God, so much. Help us to recognize that. Help us to love ourselves as you love us. Help us to see the amazing potential you have in each and every one of us. Father, help us to shift our focus and our perspective where we need to, God, that we would see ourselves as you see us, God. God, help us to become great at loving ourselves so we can love ourselves others and fulfill all that you've called us to do in our corner of the world, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And, and ladies, while your heads are bowed, you know, maybe there's some of you here this morning and, and you didn't even know that God loved you so much. Maybe you didn't even know that that you were thinking things about yourself that didn't line up with what he says about you. He loves you so very, very, very much. And he has an amazing plan for your life, an amazing future for you that he's called you and created you to live. Maybe you've never experienced life with him, your own personal relationship with him. Every person can experience that. And can I just tell you, it's the most amazing life ever. And if you have never experienced that, you know what the Bible says? All we have to do is ask. If we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and confess him as Lord of our life, ask him to be the Lord of our life, we will be saved. Meaning we have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven with him, saved from the punishment for all of our sins, but also saved from trying to live out this life on our own, trying to figure it all out on our own, because we get to enter a relationship, a living, breathing, very real relationship with Jesus, our Savior, every day on this earth. And if you've never experienced that today and you want that, I just want to lead you in a prayer today, and we're just all going to pray this together. But as I give you these words that we'll all pray together, just wrap your heart around this prayer if that's you. Maybe you've been away from God and you just want to recommit your life today. Wrap your heart around these words as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Father. 
You created me. You love me. You sent Jesus to die for me so that I can live in relationship with you. And right now, I commit my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender all to you. And I choose to live in relationship with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let